with lots of time. What a throw! Robin one for the end zone. What is up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to This Week in College Football, presented by College Football Talk Daily at CFB Talk Daily on Twitter. I am your host today. My name is Sonny Martinez, and I am joined again by Eric Church. Eric, what's going on, man? How's it going? How's it going? Another episode, another week. Week one, ready to go. Yeah, actually, some games to talk about this week, which I am fired up for. It's been too long, man. Yeah, I mean, week zero, it was, it was pretty interesting. We saw some good games. Uh, I felt like it was a good week to get us prepared for the real week one of college football, but it was very exciting, and I'm just ready to get things rolling. No doubt. It was a great appetizer, and I feel like last week there were a lot of games where we wouldn't necessarily watch and or care about a lot of what happened last week if this was, say, mid-October. But with week zero, it gives you a chance to get hyped up. A nice little preview of some of the teams. Um, of course, what is college football lately without a Nebraska fall apart? So we got to see that. You know, it was it was a pretty good week. Yeah, Nebraska definitely let me down. I thought they had a you know a good shot to have a decent season with new quarterback Casey Thompson. With new quarterback Casey Thompson, and um, they just couldn't do it. You know, it was uh, I, I thought Scott Frost will be having a new job by the next day, but it didn't happen. He still has a job, and hopefully. They can uh, just build off that loss and learn from the mistakes. Nebraska should have Lane Kiffin'd him in Ireland. <laughs> I should have left, left him there, huh? <laughs> what did you think of that onside kick? Would you have I, done that? No shot. No, sir. The, ex- explain to me what, what was the reason of doing it, you know? I thought it was a horrible decision. Um, but then again, I'm not a head coach, so what do I know? But, you know, I just felt like if I was a head coach, I wouldn't have made that play selection. No, I totally agree with you. I don't think there's any reason in the world for him to have done that. Um, Obviously, he did, and he thought it was the right call. You know, I mean, if think about it this way. If Nebraska recovers, they go, they score another touchdown, it then becomes an 18-point game. Frost looks like a genius. It just didn't work out for him. Yeah, those are the type of plays, like you said, if if it happens, everybody praise you. And you're a genius. If it doesn't happen, everybody's all on you talking about some, what type of play call was that? Why would you do that? So it was a risky call. Like I said, you got to have some guts, you know, to make that call. And he and he did. He made the call. Unfortunately, it wasn't in his favor. And um, now Nebraska is looking like, you know, the, the worst fo- worst team in college football. But, hey, you win some, you lose some. And it seems like he's living to see another day. I don't necessarily think it was the call that was as bad as it was the timing of it. If you're going to do something like that, an onside kick, when are you going to do it? When you're up 11 against Northwestern or when you're down three or four against Wisconsin or Iowa? I think if the timing of it was a little different, we wouldn't be anywhere near as critical. Now, do you think he made that call because he didn't trust his defense or he was just being, you know, overconfident and, you know, let's, let's bury these guys? I think it's a little bit of both. I think he wanted to put the foot on the throat a little bit, but also the defense was having a very tough time tackling. Um, They just were having a lot of trouble making any stops whatsoever. It wouldn't shock me if he didn't have any confidence in the defense. How could you at that point? Yeah, Nebraska's defense, you know, it was bad to see. Like you said, they struggled tackling throughout the day, and 
I guess he just wanted to put the ball back into his offensive hands and make an offensive game and hopefully come out victorious. But I don't know. It was just, it was a tough call. Like you said, the timing, it, it didn't make sense. I mean, you, you have the lead. Why do it? I don't know. I feel like you just put your defense back out on the field and see what happens. I wouldn't gamble in that, in that time or situation. But like I said, I'm not a head coach, so I, I, would, I can't make those calls. And if they got the ball back, he's a hero. And we'll we have a whole different aspect of Nebraska football going into week one. But, you know, the football guys weren't in his favor. And everybody's looking at him like, why does he still have a job? Yep. This, this isn't on our rundown, but real quick, Nebraska beats North Dakota this weekend, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't know about for sure, but I think they do. You're right. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> if they're making an onside kick call, you're probably right. <laughs> but my gut tells me they win. Yes, I, I totally agree with you there. So before we get into the actual games, which we're both pretty pumped to talk about, let's get into a couple season predictions before we do that. Who do you have winning the uh, the major conferences this year? So I will. we can start off with the SEC. Um, me personally, I feel like it's going to be a battle between Alabama and jo- Alabama and Georgia again. Um, like we all know, they made the SEC championship last year as well as the college football national championship. And I think they'll do the same this year. Now, I know we're supposed to pick one winner. And looking at these two teams side by side, I feel like Alabama has a clear leg up. Not only does Bryce Young give the Crimson Tide an edge on offense, but Alabama is also gaining Jermaine Burton from the Bulldogs team. And on the defense side of the ball, the Crimson Tide returned a great deal of talent and also grabbed Eli Ricks from LSU. What do you think about that pick in the SEC? I have the same pick, actually. I got Alabama over Georgia both going in undefeated, and I think Alabama right. wins this one. Yeah, and like I said, it was it was neck to neck, but you know the, the Bulldogs, they lost eight members of that historic defense in the NFL draft on top of losing – you know, wide receiver Steelers, sensational George Pickens, uh, James Cook, and they lost two offensive linemen. So, like I said, Georgia, they're, they're still a talented team, but with it maybe a more of a reloading year for them, Alabama should be the favorite. I completely agree. And then, yeah, I guess we can move on to the ACC. Um, this, this was, I want to say it was kind of tough for me, but... Not really. While Clemson has a projected top defense, their offense still has major questions surrounding it. So if it wasn't for the offense, I would have chose Clemson. But with that in mind, I feel like it left the door open wide open for another team to win the ACC this year. And that team, for my in my decision, is the NC State Wolfpack. Now, the Wolfpack, they put together a solid season in 2021. They finished with a 9-3 and regular season record. And they went six to two in the ACC, and they finished twentieth. They, they finished at the twentieth ranked top team internationally on the AP poll. What do you think about the Wolfpack? Do you think they have a shot, or do you have somebody else? Uh, you know, I, we've talked about it. I'm super high on NC State, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I think NC State wins conference as well. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, we talked about this before. I'm a huge Devin Leary fan, and you know he returned. From a broken fibula, he suffered in week four of the 2020 season. And he became the starter in 2021. And he put together a heck of a season where he completed 65.7% of his passes. 
He had over 3,400 yards and 35 touchdowns. I mean, he was ranked 16th nationally in passing yards. He finished ahead of top quarterbacks such as Matt Carroll, Desmond Ritter, who's in the NFL, Malik Willis, who's in the NFL, Hendon Hooker, who everybody's high on, as well as Will Levis. So I'm big on Devin Leary. I feel like the NC State Wolfpackers have a great team. They have, they're returning a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. And now offense will go as Leary goes. Yeah, Leary's a guy I can't understand for the life of me why he's not getting more national recognition. I mean, I guess, yeah, if you want to talk about it, now there's quarterbacks that are, I guess, significantly better than him. But if you're going to look at this team, they're going to go as he goes. I mean, they have a good defense as well. But Leary's key on on that team, and I think he's got what it takes to lead him to heights that that program hasn't seen in decades. Yeah, like like I said, last year he had a huge season, and I was looking forward for spring ball to see how he would perform. And he showed that his confidence has increased with the type of throws he was making during the spring game. Just in one half of the spring game, I don't know if you watched, but he went 26 of 34 for 355 yards and three touchdowns. So I feel like he feels like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. And he sees what we see. Nobody's really talking about him. Everybody's talking about, you know, Alabama's quarterback, Ohio State's quarterback, you know. And I feel like he should be in those type of conversations. Maybe not as talented, but he's right there. Yeah, and there's a difference between confidence and trying to talk yourself into being the best player in the country. He believes he is, and that's confidence on his part. You could tell by the way he carries himself, the way he he acts on the sidelines, the throws he can make, always remaining calm. That's the model quarterback you'd want in your program. A hundred percent. And like I said, I have them winning the ACC, and that's solely based on their QB1 and Devin Leary. If Larry isn't the starting quarterback, I'll be choosing a different team. But since he is the starting quarterback, the Wolfpack is my team to beat. Who do you have them beating in the title game? Ah, um, I, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. Right now, I just have them. <laughs> I just have them <laughs> in the championship game. I don't know who be, who's coming out the other side. Um, who do you think? And I'll go based off your answer. The coastal's loaded. It's it's kind of like there's they're top heavy with Miami and Pitt, but North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Virginia can beat up on each other. I mean, that's going to be definitely one of the tougher conferences to predict. It could get crazy, but I think Miami ends up coming out of it. You think Miami? I'm thinking. I mean, everybody thinks Pitt, but I I feel like Miami is a is a good choice because North Carolina no shot, Virginia Tech could be sneaky good. Virginia, no shot. Georgia Tech, no shot. And Duke, no shot. So I feel like it is between Miami and Pitt. And I I feel, I agree with you. I think Miami will meet them in the conference championship. And ultimately, the NC State Wolfpack will win. I do agree with that. So let's uh, let's move to the Big Ten, which I think is probably the easiest to predict a conference winner in. And that would be Ohio State. They just got so much talent. They're probably 1B right behind Alabama. I think the real question is going to be who comes out of the Big Ten West. Minnesota, I think, is a team that a lot of people are sleeping on. We talked about them last episode. I think that game at the end of the season between Minnesota and Wisconsin decides that uh, division. I have Wisconsin winning the division but losing to Ohio State in the Big Ten title. Well, you have Ohio State winning the Big Ten? Yep. I I had Rutgers. 
Wait, what? No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I wasn't quite sure how to respond to that. No, like you said, two words, Ohio State. I mean, there's a reason Ohio State is viewed so highly. C.J. Stroud returns as the best quarterback in the conference by a safe margin and as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He has weapons like Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., and plenty of other guys. And also, I mean, the offense is going to be lights out. Everybody has the defense in question, but I feel like a new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, their defense will be rolling by at least week three. And like I said, I think you'll see a lot of pressure come week one against Notre Dame. But yeah, lights out. Ohio State will definitely win this conference. And coming out the West, I'm thinking either between Wisconsin and Minnesota too. You sold me on Minnesota a couple weeks ago, and I've been following them. I've been doing my research, and Minnesota will be a tough team. I don't think they'll go undefeated, like you said, but I can see Minnesota coming out the West. But like you said, ultimately Ohio State winning the Big Ten. And just for the record, I didn't say they would go undefeated. I said they could go undefeated. Oh, okay. Good, good choice of words. Could, could. <laughs> And you mentioned a name when talking about Ohio State, too. You could take all the five stars you want. You could take all the transfers you want. The best addition in college football this year was Jim Knowles to Ohio State. He's going to turn that defense around, and they're going to be unrecognizable from what they were last year. Yeah, I mean, if you saw that Oklahoma State defense for the past couple of years, and no disrespect to Oklahoma State, but I feel like Ohio State gets better talent, better recruits. So we saw what Jim Knowles did for the Ohio, Oklahoma State defense. Imagine what he'll do with the Ohio State recruits. It's going to be playing scary once things get rolling and the players start to gel to Jim Knowles' defensive type. Correct, and I don't think that's any disrespect to Oklahoma State either. I mean, it's a way it is. It's it's not Oklahoma State's fault, but Ohio State's always going to get the top guys. Alabama's always going to get the top guys. I mean, for Oklahoma State to get into that tier, it would take a long time. They're just not there yet. Not to take away from the talent they have now, but like you said, Ohio State just year in, year out gets the better recruits. Yeah, and just looking at the conference, if Ohio State was not the team to beat, you know, I'm going to put some respect on Michigan's Michigan's name, especially if J.J. McCarthy takes the reins and, you know, if he does good for that team. Other than that, Ohio State, it's, it was a no-brainer. I, I was joking around a, a thousand percent when I said Rutgers. But um, <laughs> every, everybody knows Ohio State has a higher power offense. And, you know, people just waiting to see how that defense is going to play out. But like we said, Jim knows he's a great defense of mine. And I feel like Ohio State will be pretty much not tested until they get into a conference championship. And that's whether it's versus in the, uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin. True, true. All right, so let's move out west, Pac-12. This could be an interesting conference. Once again, two favorites, but remember this year, no divisions. Who's your champion there? So my champion, I know you probably won't like this. I feel like I know who you're going to pick, but um, I have USC, and I had Oregon as a close second. Okay. Now, in a sense, it's odd seeing USC and Oregon at the top since both have new coaches coming in. But Riley, I mean, he is regarded as one of the best college coaches in college football, while Dan Lanning is the defensive mastermind who engineered Georgia's dominance in 2021. He has a a ton of talent to work with in Eugene. The question will be whether or not Oregon can keep up with Caleb Williams and the Trojans' weapons on offense. You know, a lot hinges on the growth of Auburn transfer Bo Nix, that quarterback for Oregon. 
He has the natural ability to be a high-level passer, but inconsistency has plagued him in recent years. So just, just the fact that I don't think Oregon can keep up with the scoring that USC will have this year, I have USC coming out victorious. Here's my problem with USC is they're going to put up a lot of points, but I think they're also going to have a lot of points scored against. I worry about both sides of the line. I don't think they have the depth. I don't think they're there yet. They're going to score a lot of points, but there's there's going to be problems there, and I think that's going to end up costing them a game or two, especially if you put them against a, a defense like Oregon. That's going to be very tough. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely agree with that. Every game will be a shootout. I just, you know, I I feel like it's going to be a special season for USC because everybody's expecting it with all these high power transfer names. But um, it's it's tough, you know. I'm just a USC guy as of right now, and like I said, I had Oregon a close second, and you know, even I feel like I disrespected a team in Utah. I mean, I feel like they're definitely in the conversation as well. Kyle Winningham's Utes won the conference last season, and they returned enough talent to stay in contention. Uh, I mean, Cameron Rising was respectable at quarterback, and the offensive line should afford him plenty of security. Uh, the defense is even more appealing. They have talents like Florida transfer Muhammad Diabate, Clark Phillip III, and Cole Bishop to lead the way. So, you know, I feel like I did disrespect Utah by not pinning them in the top two. I have them as my third team to look out for, but I'm I'm just going with the USC hype right now. And I feel like it's going to be a lot of shootouts um, and they better keep scoring or it's going to be Oregon's or Utah's league to win. Yeah. And Utah is actually my pick. I have Utah over Oregon. Like you said, the offense is going to be good. The separation, the, the, the separation between USC and Utah in the trenches, I think is a huge difference. I think we'll see that when they play each other. But Utah's going to have a solid defense as well. I feel like I trust them overall more than I trust Oregon. Obviously, later in the year, you know, they'll understand Dan Lanning's system and everything will be straightened out. It won't be like it will be first week or two. But I feel like Utah is a safer pick. They're good. They've, they're proven. As long as they don't have a hangover from that Rose Bowl collapse, I think Utah is going to be the team to beat in the Pac-12. Yeah, Utah is that. A- thousand percent the safer pick you know i went a little little risky high risk a low reward with uh my usc pick but i definitely have oregon coming out the north and oh based off my pick i have usc coming out the south but i would not surprised if utah came out the south i just don't see them repeating at conference champions again that's fair that's fair so in the Big 12, this is a conference that can get crazy. I've seen Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas, Kansas State, even TCU's gotten picks to win. I believe I don't think it was Stuart Mandel from the Athletic, but I think it was one of them. Um, picked TCU to win. As Okay, I have it in front of me now. Stuart Mandel picked TCU 10th, but I know it was someone from the Athletic who picked them to win the conference in general. So this could get really crazy real quick. Who do you got out of the Big 12? Like you said the Big 12 can get crazy. I mean, I have a list of teams that are in a conversation with uh for me. You know, I have Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. Uh, I'm going to go with Oklahoma because I feel like Oklahoma feels more established at the top of the conference, and they do have talent coming back. But there's also a change of, of, of the guard at hand with Venables and quarterback Dylan Gabriel leading the way at, after the departures of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. And then you have Texas, who have Quinn Ewers, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, 
you know, and they're all in a Steve Sarkeesian-led offense. So the ball is going to be thrown around. And yet it's tough to say Texas is back after years of prominence and disappointment. But that offense is loaded. And the defense is quietly has talent, especially on the front line. But beyond those two, first two, Baylor, they could be a sleeper. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. You know, they've been the top of the conference for the past couple of years. And even though they have a new quarterback, a new head coach, I don't see anybody taking over. Yeah, it's it's tough to imagine a world where Oklahoma isn't dominating the Pac-12 or the Big 12. I'm sorry. Of course, we're going to have to get used to it with them going to the U, to the uh, SEC. Um, so I have Oklahoma State coming out of the Big 12. I think this kind of goes back to the quarterback debate that we had last week with Spencer Sanders and Dylan Gabriel. Um, Oklahoma, again, is going to be good, but Oklahoma State feels like the safer pick. Again, going back to like uh, like Utah, Oklahoma State feels like the safer pick. They're keeping the same coach, same offensive system, the most experienced quarterback in the conference. It'll be interesting to see how the defense reacts with a new defensive coordinator. Um, I actually have a three-way tie at the top of the conference between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. I think each of them go 10-2, and 7-2 and two in conference. But don't sleep on teams like Texas and Kansas State as well. Yeah, I mean, just looking at uh, Phil Steele's college football preview, he he's right on par with you. He has Oklahoma, number one, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas tied for third. Kansas State and Iowa State tied for fifth. So. Um, Oklahoma State is definitely respectable. Like we said, we talked about the quarterbacks in our last episode, and Sanders is nothing to play with. And I, I'm all I'm all for the Sanders play, but I just feel like Oklahoma, they're, they're going to be tough to overcome the Big 12 champion until they leave. And like I said, my number two was Texas, but come on, everybody says, has been saying Texas is back for years, and I'm not even believing it, but with that star power roster that everyone sees, in the preseason, it was hard not to have them in the conversation, but I I have Oklahoma one, and I could put Oklahoma State my, my new number two because I, I can't go with the Texas thing. I can't even believe I said that in the beginning. <laughs> it's just hard to buy that Texas is back when we've heard they've been back for the last, what, 10 years, and they've just <laughs> repeatedly face-planted. Yeah, and but, you know, just seeing that offense, they better be good. You know, Quinn Ewers has more hype than Trevor Lawrence, than Tom Brady, than the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows the name Quinn Ewers, and they're expecting big things after he left Ohio State last year. And I'm expecting big things. And, you know, to be fair, it shouldn't be as hard because he has the weapons around him. I mean, by John Robinson is arguably the top running back in all of college football. Xavier Worthy is a deep threat that you can just launch the ball up and hopefully he's somewhere around the vicinity and he'll catch it for you. Jaleel Billingsley is a top tight end in all of college football. And you have the head coach and Steve Sarkeesian that, you know, takes his college quarterbacks and trains them and they all become first round NFL draft picks. So the formula is there. But like we like we all say, year after year after year is nothing but disappointment. So. The Texas, you know, they have to they have to prove it because any team can look good on paper, but until you start winning weekend after weekend after weekend, disappointment. Very true. You have any group of five predictions? Group of five. My group of five prediction is, well, mm, 
I don't see a group of five team making the college football playoffs. No time no, I soon. Agree. Um, no, nah, I, I don't have any predictions for the group of five. <laughs> All right, I have two. I have Boise State, I think, is going to represent the group of five in the uh, New Year's Six Bowl. Boise I think it's going to be State. I think it's going to be Boise State at eleven and one in the Cotton Bowl against Notre Dame. Not to get too far ahead, but I think that's where we're heading. The other prediction I have for anybody that's going to say I played it too safe in the Pac-12 or in the Big 12, of course I have Cincinnati winning the AAC. I have them beating East Carolina. You have any really? thoughts on that? Yes. Yeah, yes, my I don't think Cincinnati will be as good as they were for the last two years, honestly. Um, they lost a lot, and I just for some odd reason I'm not thinking that they're definitely not going to make the college football playoffs again. Yeah, and I, I I don't even think I don't even see them being a New York Six Bowl, New Year's Six Bowl this year. I I see them being you know around eight and four, nine. Wow. And four. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't ask me why. It's just a just feeling a gut feeling that you know they've been they've been powerful in a, in a group of five. As of late, but you know Desmond Ritter was a big piece of that, and you know the, the next quarterback has to step up, and I feel like it's going to take some time. So you know how you feel about Cincinnati is kind of where I'm at, where I'm at with Houston. Everybody's hyping up Houston as this possible New Year's Six buster. I don't think they're going to be they're going to be good. I got them at nine wins, but I don't think they're going to be you know playoff busters or anything. Oh no, shot no no. I, like I said, I don't see <laughs> any. Just looking at the looking at the AAC, you know, like I said, Cincinnati, I feel like they're gonna fall off a little bit. UCF, I might I think UCF might may be the most powerful in all of ACC and maybe even in a group of five. But um no, I'm not seeing Houston. I don't I don't know where the hype for Houston is coming from, but yeah, I think the team to look out for for the group of five is UCF and they have been a team to look out for as of late. So yeah, sorry Cincinnati fans, but I'm just it's just I don't know I don't know where is it coming from, but I just I just don't have them being a top dog anymore. Okay, so we know one team that will not be in your college football playoff, but who are the four teams that will make it? My four teams in the college football playoffs. All right, so let's get the obvious out the way: Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. I feel like those three teams are going to run up, run through their schedule, have be their conference champions and being in the college football playoffs, one, two, and three, whatever order you want to pin them in. And then my fourth team, I feel like everybody's fourth team is the one that you have to really have to think about. And I just came away with Notre Dame. Um, I think things will fall mm. into uh, – yeah, I think things will fall into place for Notre Dame, which has a good chance to run the table following a pretty much a season-opening loss against Ohio State. You know, that neutral site contest with BYU and the finale at USC are two more potential hurdles they have to get over but I feel like they'll get past those two teams after getting tested very early on versus Ohio State team. And the results of the ACC and Big 12 title games also could be a factor in the Irish postseason fate. But one loss probably won't keep them from a shot at another college football playoff berth. What do you think about Notre Dame? So Notre Dame is actually one of the teams we'll be talking about. They play Ohio State this week, and I have some thoughts on them. I'll I'll share my thoughts then. I mean, I just said I have Notre Dame 10-2 and two in the Cotton Bowl, so obviously I think they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're a playoff team. We agree on the top three. I mean, 
Alabama one, Ohio State two. I have Georgia at three. Georgia losing to Alabama on the SEC title game. I don't think the committee will do Alabama Georgia again. You know, the first game of the playoff. That fourth team, like you said, it could be could be anybody. I mean, you know, Pac-12 winner I doubt would get in if Utah goes. You know, twelve and 0, 11 and one, they might have a shot. I don't think anybody from the Big Twelve is going to make it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Notre Dame's going to make it. And that leaves the ACC winner. I think North Carolina State is number four in the playoff. And I'm not fighting you on that because you know I'm a big Wolfpack fan. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just feel like Notre Dame's schedule, year after year, I mean, it always plays in favor for them. Everybody thinks that they don't play anybody good, but they play respectable teams. Like I said, a BYU team is going to be pretty good this year. And the finale versus USC, that's going to be a huge game. I feel like that's going to be the game to keep them out or get them in the college football playoffs. But Devin Leary, Wolfpack, I'm I'm praying to the college football guys that they are the number four team. But I just I, I feel like it's going to be rough. I feel like they're going to have maybe one one or if they, if they have two losses, they're definitely not going to get in. So uh, I mean, hopefully Devin Leary can get it done. But for I, I got Notre Dame getting that fourth spot. Just you know, they're probably going to lose. They're definitely going to lose against Ohio State. Well, I'm not going to say definitely. In my opinion, they will lose against Ohio State. And after that, you know, they're going to run the run their schedule and hopefully get that last spot. But I'm if you're, I'm hoping you're right. I, I really would like to see an NC State team in the college football playoffs, but I feel like that will be kind of a long shot. Yeah, and we've already touched on Notre Dame, Ohio State a little bit. So let's go there next. My problem with Notre Dame is this. We can't seem to rate them properly on a year-to-year basis. The last few years, they've been really good, and I feel like they've been underrated. I know they've made the playoff in that stretch. They beat Clemson in that stretch. But it seems like always preseason, there's not enough hype for them. I feel like this is the year where they kind of deserve a lower ranking, and we put them at five to begin the year. They have a lot of questions. They got a new coach. I know it was a bowl game, but you can't get the taste of the, I think it was the Sugar Bowl out of your mouth against Oklahoma State. A complete choke, just terrible coaching decisions, terrible playing decisions. Kyle Hamilton's gone. Brand new quarterback. Lack of depth at receiver, especially with Avery Davis going down for the year. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's not going to be a tough year for Notre Dame, but I don't think it's going to be you know up to their standards. And I think it starts off rough against Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to win. I don't know that 17 and a half is, you know, I think that's a little high. But I don't think it's particularly close either. I think Ohio State wins relatively easily. Yeah, so Notre Dame, they're coming to Columbus for the first time, and that's since the mid-'90s, so I'm talking decades ago. And like Oh, I was said, born in the mid-'90s. Easy hey, there. <laughs> hey, hey, me too. Me too. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah me too. Uh, but uh, both teams, you know, they're both in the top five. And they're looking to prove that they are serious t- title contenders. Now, like we already stated, we all know the Ohio State offense is going to score. It was one of the most prolific offenses in the history of college football last year. And yes, the Buckeyes, they lost first round wide receivers and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and a few key offense alignment. But overall, this side of the ball is loaded. You know, the wealth of talent at the wide receiver position for Ohio State has been well documented. The danger may be if they start throwing too much, because let's not forget, Ohio State has Travion Henderson, and he's one of the best running backs in the country as well. Now, with all that being said, the Notre Dame's defensive line is its strength. 
So Ryan Day may choose to throw the ball early and often to get the defense on his heels before unleashing Henderson. And let's be honest, no one is really worried about the Buckeyes offense. The defense, however, is a huge question mark. Talent has never been lacking at Columbus, but the defense hasn't been the silver bullets of old. The doom defensive coordinator, as we were talking about, seems confident he can install a new system that will confuse opposing teams with multiple looks. Um, and as we just stated, Noah's former team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, they were a top-rated defensive team in 2021. And Noah's has even greater talent to work with this season, as we mentioned earlier in the episode. So I look forward for the defensive line to be much improved with more pressure from the edges for the Ohio State defense. And I expect Noah's to bring multiple looks with disguised packages to confuse the Irish quarterback and Tyler Buckner. Now, Buckner, he's a true dual-threat quarterback, so the Buckeyes will have to be sure to contain and be aware of his, his ability to run. But at the end of the day, I feel like Ohio State, if they stick to, the, to running early to establish the line of dominance and then start throwing it towards you know, the end of the first quarter, I feel like it'd be, they'll be too much for Notre Dame. So you have Notre Dame as a playoff team. Notre Dame loses this game. Yeah. Where how far do you think they can fall to still be a playoff threat? Oh in, in terms of the poll. Oh, if they lose, so if you're saying if they lose against Ohio State right here. Yeah, if they like if they lose against Ohio State, what's the cutoff point like? All right, we can rebound from ten, but we can't from fifteen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think if they lose to Ohio State, they're not gonna fall depending on how bad the loss it is. So let's say if they lose by one or two touchdowns, I don't see the polls dropping them too low. But they just get smoked. I can see them dropping in that 13 to 15 range, which I think will be too low to get back into college football playoff contention. So for Notre Dame, to make my prediction correct, they will either obviously have to win the game or keep it close. You know, just put some respectable film on the TV. For college football polls can know, like, okay, this Notre Dame team, they're not as powerful as Ohio State as we all already knew, but they're respectable. And if they can, you know, like I said, keep it within a one or two touchdown game, and then for the rest of the year, they're just killing teams left and right, I can see them recovering from a no lower ranking than sixth or seventh. Anything lower than sixth or seventh, I think their chances are out the order. Okay, so that's actually higher than I thought you would answer. I'm I'm really? thinking probably right around the 10-11 range is where they're going to end up after the game. Um, I think probably 13-14 would be the cutoff that, all right, you need too much to happen in front of you. And, of course, it's going to be a crazy season. Um, the easiest path, obviously, is for Notre Dame to win. I worry that Notre Dame doesn't have the athletes yet. They're not big enough or strong enough yet. They're obviously significantly better still than the 2012 team that went to the national championship and played at Alabama. But I just remember watching that game, and I was so excited. Notre Dame's finally in a championship game. Then Lee Corso picks Notre Dame. Like, this this is going to be awesome. There's no way Notre Dame loses. And then they showed Alabama just standing in the tunnel. And I was just hit with this, this overwhelming, oh, my God, they're going to get slaughtered. And that's exactly what happened. And I worry that I'm going to get that exact feeling again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, both teams, they're going to come out hype to start the season with something to prove. Uh, Ohio State's offense, it should score early and often. But it may take the Buckeyes defense a few series to fully settle in. But either way, 
the Irish will not be able to trade blows with the offensive power, firepower and Ohio State pulls away, I would say, in the fourth quarter. And like you said about how you saw Alabama's team in a tunnel just waiting, trust me, you'll get that same effect <laughs> when this game starts. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just a different – Ohio State is just a different – I don't want to sound disrespectful when I say this, but in the current day, is a different brand of football. You know, you know how State takes the field – Everybody knows, like, okay, how much they're going to win by today. Three touchdowns, four touchdowns. And that, it doesn't matter what team they're playing against. When Notre Dame takes the field, if they're playing against a team they're supposed to beat, oh, yeah, how much they're going to win by three touchdowns? Okay, I, I, I agree with you. But if they play against a team that's, you know, equally as talented or a little better on paper, I don't think Notre Dame's fans are as confident as Ohio State's fans when they're playing against anybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, just look at Ohio State, the the past, the history they have. The year Luke Fickle was there, everybody talks about how terrible that Ohio State team was. They were so bad. Mm-hmm. They were six and six. Mm. What about Notre Dame's four and eight season in 2016? You know? <laughs> everybody I mean, forget about that. Yeah. They get a free pass, but we still can hear sometimes about how, you know, in a year where I forget what the situation was. I think Meyer got fired or suspended or something. You know how how bad they were. They were an average team. I don't know. Ohio like, State, Ohio, Notre Dame always seems to get the benefit of the doubt for some reason. And while I agree with it, sometimes this is one of the cases where I don't agree with it. And that's the complete reason why I have them as my number four team because they always get the benefit of the doubt, year after year after year. Like everybody expects them to lose to Ohio State, so that loss isn't going to weigh as So they'll get that benefit of the doubt for another year. They'll make the college football playoffs. And then they'll be out right after the playoffs start. I mean, I don't see them making a run or anything. I just feel like, like you said, I feel like they'll get the benefit of the doubt after they take an early loss because they'll recover. And for some reason, the polls will have be high on them once again. And they'll sneak in there. But this first this this game versus Ohio State, you can forget about it. And, you know, it'll take a couple of weeks and then Notre Dame will sneak back into the top five somehow, some way. OK, that's that's a bold prediction, but I'm on board with it. OK, so let's go to uh, Thursday night. Finally, the backyard brawl is back. Pitt, West mm. Virginia. It's been too long. The 2007 game, if anybody remembers that. Incredible. Kept West Virginia out of the playoff or out of the uh, BCS championship game. I'm sorry. At that point, it was still the BCS. If if they win, Virginia, we're talking about a West Virginia Ohio State championship game in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Where where are we with this? Because I look at it and I think Pitt ends up winning this game. Um, I think the the more low scoring it is, the more it benefits Pitt. Pitt needs to win a defensive game. If we start getting into a shootout with a new air raid offense, I think West Virginia is going to be the beneficiary of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Pitt is the better team between the two. Now, if we're having this discussion in November, if they play rivalry weekend like they used to, mm-hmm. I think it's a completely different game. But right now, I think Pitt is the better team. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, the backyard brawl, the first one since 2011. You know, Man, this, it's been too long. It's been it's been a long time. That's just, just looking at the West Virginia's team. You know, they have a new OC in Graham Harrell, who's from USC. So they have the fun pass happy offense. They have JT Daniels, who came over from Georgia. They have all five offensive linemen that are coming back. They have defensive tackle Dante Stills, and they have seven defensive transfers that are going to have to gel early on together. And then just looking at a quick review on the pit team, they lost their offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. And they had Sinetti, who came from Boston College, who replaces him. And let's not forget, they also lost Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. But nearly the entire offensive line and defensive line are back, along with the secondary. And I put my money on it that I feel like Coach Narduzzi feels good about his chances with all those returners, despite losing his QB1 in Addison. Now, all offseason, Narduzzi has talked about how Whipple threw the ball too much last year. And I'm wondering how conservative do we see Pitt offense will be this year after, you know, all the criticism that Whipple has had from Coach Narduzzi. And it's kind of crazy to hear all the bad stuff about Whipple with some of the things that they did last year. I feel like Narduzzi is being a little petty maybe, but I think Sinetti and Pitt will run the football a lot and be more conservative than last year, slow down their tempo, make every position, possession, and down count. And on the defense side of the ball, Pitt defense line has had 100 sacks in the last two years. I don't know if you knew that, but that's crazy. 100 sacks in the last two years. And they only yeah. allowed two. They only allowed two point seven yards per carry last year, so I think they will be fantastic again this year. Yeah, that's a crazy stat. And like you said, the Pat Narduzzi attacking Mark Whipple is is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I, I have. It, I said he was petty. <laughs> oh, oh, I I thought you said hey. I'm sorry. Oh no no, I say he's being petty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not just petty. I mean, it's it's. Just pure stupidity. His exact mm-hmm. quote was, our old offensive coordinator had no desire to run the ball. Everybody knew it. He was stubborn. Wake Forest was 118th in run defense, and we threw the ball every down. When we ran it, we ran it for 10 yards, but that wasn't good enough. And because of that stubbornness and sheer just not misunderstanding of the game, Pitt only won that game by 24 points. That was really close. Mm-hmm. Not only that, so... This this horrible decision maker at offensive coordinator, that's Narduzzi's best season as head coach, his first conference title, his first 11-win season for Pitt since 1981, and the first big-time bowl game since 2004. Yeah. Is, isn't, yeah. Whipple, isn't Whipple a nuisance? Here's the thing with Narduzzi. When he was hired for Michigan State, he was supposed to be what Kirby Smart is now. He was supposed to be the next hotshot defensive coordinator hired as head coach to take over a program, take him to new heights. But ever since then, he has been average. He's an average football coach. And if you don't believe me, here are his records. Eight and five, eight and five, five and seven, seven and seven, eight and five, six and five. Then he gets Kenny Pickett handed to him on a silver platter along with stubborn Mark Whipple. And they go 11 and three, win the oh. ACC title, make it to a New Year's Six Bowl. That oh. save it with he's he's he doesn't know what he's doing. That is one of the worst takes I've ever heard from a coach. I think he's just aggravated because Whipple actively left to go to a dumpster fire in Nebraska, which I'm sure he's regretting now. But 
it's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I mean, like you said, those records he has had for the past couple of years, they stink. You know, <laughs> pretty average, and you know, he, like you said, he was handed Kenny Kenny Pickett on the silver platter, along with a uh, a Jordan Addison, and um, we'll see how good the Pitts team is this year because they don't have Whipple anymore, they don't have Pickett anymore, they don't even have Addison anymore. So the fact that he had all this criticism on those, on his offensive coordinator and he lost his two stars. It will truly show how good of a coach he is now. Not only that, but what does that say to prospective people for that job in the future? All the guys he's hired before that have given him middle-of-the-road offenses, yeah, they're good running team historically, physical team. Before last year, when is the last time you can remember a truly great pit offense? Before last mm. year, when is the last time you can even remember a good pit team? That might be going back to the LaShawn McCoy days. LaShawn <laughs> McCoy, yeah. You're back in the Big East. Mm-hmm. You're, back, you're back to Dave Wanstead. Mm. So coming from a guy that was supposed to be what Kirby Smart is now, take it, save it, and get yourself better and get your team better. Right. Sounds like you, uh, <clears throat> you don't like Nar- Narduzzi too much. <laughs> I don't have a problem with Narduzzi. I have a problem when coaches make comments like that and try to make a scapegoat. A when one's not even necessary. They won eleven and three. Mm-hmm. Why? Why are you burying your offensive coordinator of an eleven and three team? What? Because he didn't run enough in a game that you still won by what twenty seven points? Get out of here with that. Yeah, that's like I said. It's just him being. He's mad. You know, <laughs> he's mad. The, the, the kid, the coach who got him to that 11-3 record, the first, the best record he had in years, left him, and now he knows deep down, like we may be in some trouble. I mean, West Virginia versus Pitt. I, I'm going to talk about this later on in the, in the episode, but I have West Virginia winning. Okay, I could see that. I, I can definitely see that. But you know, I'll, I'll save the explanation for later. But yeah, I have, I have West Virginia winning. Okay, and and real quick, one more thing about Mark Whipple because now now you got me all fired up here. He <laughs> leaves, goes to Nebraska. What happens game one at Nebraska? Did you see the quote from Scott Frost about how our offense has to be what was what was the term he used? A little more creative in the Big Ten. Really? How about you don't kick it onside with an eleven point lead against Northwestern? What's Save the big- that for a big game. Don't do it against Northwestern. It has to be more creative. How about you get creative in teaching your players ways to tackle? Get creative <laughs> in that department. Stop blaming Mark Whipple. Yeah, not, why? Everything that happens, <laughs> not everything that happens is his fault. Notre Dame's going to lose to Ohio State, and then Marcus Freeman's going to go in a press conference and say, you know what? It's because of Mark Whipple's play calling last week. <laughs> Leave the part. I feel like that. Leave Brittany alone. Leave Mark Whipple alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually feel bad for Mark Whipple now since you put it that way. Like, he's taking shots. It's just left one and thing right. after another. For, and, and as if that can, can't get any worse before that, he's the head coach at UMass. Right, what do you want from the poor guy? Yeah. They're, he's the scapegoat for everybody. <laughs> That's Anyways, funny. I digress. But yeah, I, I could totally see a, a world where West Virginia wins. And I think if they do win, that would certainly kick off what could be a special season for them. They're such a wild card in the big in the Big 12. 
they could be anywhere from three wins to nine wins, and I don't think anybody would really bet an eye either direction. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, they could be either really good or really bad. And um I'm I'm thinking that they'll be decent this year. You know, I'm I'm big on JT Daniels, and I think that he'll lead that West Virginia team against Pitt this weekend, or excuse me, Thursday. They'll have a, a one as the underdog. And I'm not saying that they'll have a 10-1 season, but, you know, I have high hopes on West Virginia just based off of Harrell and Daniels. And don't forget Keaton Slovis at Pitt as well. This is yeah. a battle of former USC teammates. It is, but like we said, I, I feel like we're not going to see too much of Slovis because Pitt's going to be focused on running the ball according. That's what Coach Narduzzi wants to see. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so, I got. I, yeah. Okay, so next let's go to Utah and Florida. This is going to be an interesting cross country matchup. I think it comes down to one question: Do you believe that Utah is a legitimate playoff threat? Because I don't think that a one loss Pac-12 team will make it to the playoff. So if you think that Utah is a legitimate Pac-12 threat, that means they have to beat a Florida team that's probably going to be right in the seven and five, eight and four range. And yeah, I know they're an SEC team. I get that. They're going to be good, not great. But if you're a true playoff team, a true playoff threat, you have to be able to go on the road and beat an eight-win team. Yeah, this is tough because even though I chose USC as my Pac-12 team to beat, I think Utah, they're definitely respectable as they won the league last year. But it's, this game is actually what was one of my toughest decisions. I mean... Utah wants to turn expectations into reality. And Florida is desperate for hope in Napier's first season. Uh, Utah is the trendy pick of the preseason after his 10-winning outing. And it's difficult to get a line on what Florida is right now. I feel like this game will be based off of three main factors. You know, number one is Utah's one-two punch. Quarterback Cameron Rising and their running back Tavian Tom Thomas. You know, they're a, they're a tough combo to beat. Rising, you know, he... Completed 64% of his passes last year. He threw for 20 touchdowns to just five picks. And Thomas added a score record 21 rushing touchdowns. The next factor is on the Florida side of the team, and that's Anthony Richardson and his experience. You know, the quarterback put the ball in the air just 64 times a year ago, completing 59% of his passes. He compiled, compiled 930 total yards of offense. And as we all know, he didn't start the full year, but He's a dynamic throw quarterback who's already getting high NFL draft grades and can emerge as one of the top SEC players this season. And the last factor for this game is Utah and their defense. They can play some defense. I mean, they lost linebackers Devin Lloyd and Sewell, which were important. But, you know, don't discount the rest of the youth stoppers, especially after adding Florida transfer Mohamed Diabati at linebacker. So Utah's defense, they can, they can get after it. And ultimately... I think I'm going to give the edge to Florida. I'm sorry. Okay, see, I would go the other way. I'd go Utah. And like you said, the transfer from Florida to Utah, what kind of secrets can he give about the Florida defense? Yeah. I think that's going to be important. And Anthony Richardson, too. Last year, he showed a few flashes where, like, all right, this guy's legit. He can be good. But for every one of those, it seemed like he had two words. What are you doing? Bad right. throws, interceptions. I didn't. I, I think last year was kind of too small of a sample size to judge him for. He only even attempted 64 passes. 
six touchdowns, five interceptions. I think he he can make a difference with his legs, and I think if Florida wins, that's where it's going to be. I think Richardson would be would run for probably over a hundred yards. I think that's where the difference comes in. But I think Utah's defense is good enough to stop Richardson as well as the rest of the offense. And I mean, I do agree with you on that. I mean, throwing sixty four passes is just isn't enough, you know. But it's that unknown. Anthony Richardson is a great athlete, like you said. If he can do both pass for you know. 200 yards, but if he runs for 100 yards, you know, I can see Florida being victorious just, be, just because of that SEC factor and that SEC speed. Now, as we all know, Utah isn't a slouch whatsoever, and their defense is amazing. So uh, the only reason why I'm giving it to Florida is because nobody really knows how Anthony Richardson will do having the quarterback position all to himself. He's not sharing it anymore. And I, I feel like he can come out and play really good, you know, have a I'm giving him a huge compliment. I was going to say like a Cam Newton type of season, but, wow. you know, he, he's that type of athlete, though, you know, and it's I think Florida season is either going to be really good or really below average, and it starts this weekend versus Utah, and like I said, I'm going with Florida, but by all by no means I will not be surprised if Utah came out victorious. Okay, and that's definitely a fair statement. Yeah. But like I said, I'm I'm sticking with Utah. Um, I just I trust them more, and I think Utah is a playoff threat. Yeah, that 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 superior defense in unit is crazy, and that one-two punch. I mean, they were Pac-12 champions last year, and they returned a lot. It just you know I just I feel like when it comes to that SEC speed, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard it's it's hard to match that. And you know Richardson, he's a real from the little bit of clips I've seen, he's a real good athlete. And it seems like the team wanted him to start last year. They just never gave him the keys to the car. And the fact that he has it now, you know, I'm, I'm expecting big things because, like I said, that's the true athlete right there. Okay, and let's go to Florida's arguably biggest rival, Georgia. Georgia plays Oregon this weekend. It's in Atlanta. It's a neutral site game, but let's be honest here. It's a Georgia home game. Mm-hmm. I don't think this one is going to be close at all. I think Georgia wins and they win convincingly. The X factor here, I think, is Dan Lanning, old uh, former Georgia defensive coordinator, now the head coach at Oregon. What does he know? Nobody knows that defense better than he does. What can he do? I think Oregon can match speed, but I don't think they can match physicality. I don't think Oregon can stop Brock Bowers. And even if they do, they still have Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington to contend with. And those are just the tight ends. That's not even getting into receivers. I think mm. I think Oregon's going to have a really hard time stopping Georgia. I think this is a blowout reminiscent of the Alabama-Miami game from a few years ago. And everything you said, you know, I agree with. Uh, I feel like Oregon can definitely match that speed that Georgia has. But they're no way in any shape or form as physical as Georgia. But I just don't want to sleep on Oregon, you know. Considering mm-hmm. that the Ducks, they traveled to, they traveled to heavily favorite Columbus last year to take on that number three Ohio State team, which was expected to be a blowout for the Buckeyes, just like this year with Georgia. But Oregon came away victorious, 35-28. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to happen again this year. They're being underdogs and they come out victorious again 
I just don't want to sleep on Oregon. You know, we, as the whole world knows, they're, they're underdogs. But they have the offensive line to give Georgia everything they can handle. In fact, many football analysts believe that this is the best front five that the Bulldogs will face all year. Four of these offensive linemen are expected to be NFL draft picks. The defensive line is very good as well and should be able to hold their own to slow down, not stop, but slow down this Bulldog rushing attack. And, there, and there, if there is one coach out there who knows how to shut down Georgia, it should be new Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. Like, like we all know, he spent the last three seasons as the D.C. and linebackers coach for Georgia, building that number one defense in the country. And he is waiting until Saturday, Saturday to reveal who his starting quarterback will be. But do not be surprised if it's Bo Nix. I feel like it's going to be Bo Nix. But he just they, they didn't announce it for some reason, whatever. And that should give Oregon another advantage as Bo Nix has been acquainted with Georgia in his past days playing for the Auburn. So I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blowout. I just I don't I wouldn't be mm, it's tough because having your head coach be on that Georgia staff for three years and help build that defense, he knows most of those players' weaknesses. And Oregon has the speed. You know, they have the offensive line, the defensive line. But I just don't think they'll be as physical as you said. And at the end of the day, I feel like Georgia will pull away in the fourth quarter. Okay, so you have it close late then, I guess, right? Yeah, I have it. I have it a tough game. You know, very physical, entertaining, competitive. And then the physicality of Georgia's team will start to, start to outman that Oregon's team. And, you know, they'll, they'll break away mid-court, mid-fourth quarter. And, and Bo Nix definitely gives an edge. If there's one quarterback that knows how to throw to Georgia, it is Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I thought of the Ohio State game last year as well. But if you take a deeper dive into that game, and I remember that like it was yesterday, that game was week two. Mm-hmm. And the week before, as weird as this may sound, Minnesota gave the blueprint on how to beat Ohio State. Strong running game, physical, punch him in the mouth. Right. That game was very close until the running back got hurt. And then the next week, Oregon went in there and just took exactly what Minnesota did and made it better. And they ended up winning that game. Right. I don't think there's a blueprint to do that against Georgia. Yeah, you're right. There's no film on them, so nobody knows. But at the same time, like I said, Lenning being the head coach, he knows some things, which was is not as good as watching a full full game from the prior week and just doing just revealing the weaknesses of a Georgia's team. But um, I mean, I do agree with you. I no, and I personally don't understand either what the true benefit of waiting to reveal your starting quarterback is. I don't yeah. really think that gives anybody any advantage. I think if anything, it kind of shows your quarterback that, you know, like if, if I was a starter and you said that about me, I'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Do you not have enough confidence in me? You need it to be a surprise that I'm starting. You yeah, you, I'll, you I'll need them to you need them to be surprised for me to be any good. Like I, I'd take that as almost a slap in the face. Exactly. That's almost similar to the 49ers. You know, not to get off topic, but they brought back Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like a slap in the face to Trey Lance, like, uh, would you don't trust me? And it's like you said, if I'm a Oregon's quarterback, if I'm Bo Nix, like, why have you stated I'm the starter? You don't you you they need to be surprised. So like you said, it's like you don't have confidence in your QB one. Uh, maybe they just doing it so they can't pre- prepare correctly. But I think Kirby Smart came out and said that they're probably thinking that they'll face two quarterbacks anyway. But 
as we, I think the whole world knows it's going to be Bo Nix. Part of me wonders if they haven't revealed who the starting quarterback is because they haven't decided yet. Mm. The way Bo Nix is so hot and cold, maybe he's been doing some things in practice that's making Lanning have some cold feet and deciding. If you really want the experience, a guy who's played Georgia and kind of knows what they're all about, then it's a no-brainer. But you've also seen bad Bo Nix, and that is not anything you want to see against a top team. That's bad. Bo Nix is a kind of player that could cost you a game in the first quarter. There's no recovering from some of the mistakes that he makes. If you get good Bo Nix, he can beat anybody. Are you willing to take that chance? So I kind of wonder, do they even have a starter yet? I think that they have a good ideal. I idea who, who is the QB one. And it's probably Bo Nix. But like you said, a bad Bo Nix is a bad quarterback. And yeah. a good Bo Nix will win you some games. And to be completely honest with you, I'm not the biggest Bo Nix fan. So if he wasn't named starter, I wouldn't be terrified if I was an Oregon fan. But I just I can't see them not giving him the keys to the car to start the game. Now, can, can he come out? throw two picks and get benched? Absolutely. Can he come out, throw two touchdowns, hit and go up 14-0? Absolutely. Yep. We just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, yeah. that's so tough, too, because, like, as a head coach, how do you prepare for that? You want to confuse the defense by not telling them who's starting. As a coach, when you literally don't – I guess you could say that for every quarterback, essentially. But with Knicks, you truly don't know – not only from week to week, from series to series, who are you getting out there? Yeah, it's like honestly, they're not even choosing between two quarterbacks. They're choosing between three because Bo Nix is two different guys. <laughs> <laughs> so if you pick Bo Nix, yeah, you're Georgia. You're definitely playing against two quarterbacks because, like you said, we just don't know what we get from the guy. And I want to reiterate that I'm not the biggest Bo Nix fan, but I know if he's hot, oh, we the game's gonna be good in your favor. But if he throws, has a couple bad reads and, you know, maybe get hit a couple times from that physical Georgia defense, it may be a long game for you. Yep, but at least he's used to it. He knows what it's like. He's been there before, but still, new atmosphere, new team. Can he make the best of it? I'm rooting for him. But, like I said, fourth quarter, Georgia takes the game away. So the only game we disagree on then is West Virginia Pitt. I have Pitt, you have West Virginia. Yeah. 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 And like I said, the only reason why I have West Virginia is because even though it's the unknown between Graham Harrell and JT Daniels, I just I'll have my money on them versus a run heavy, whippleless pit team. <laughs> <laughs> So let's finish up here with the upset of the week. Now, this is going to be a game that we don't talk about beforehand. So this is completely, I don't know what his answer is. And Eric doesn't know what my answer is. Where are you with upset of the week? So my upset of the week, I don't know if this goes along with the rules. It's a game that we talked about already. I, I feel like West Virginia beating Pitt is considered an upset. You know, Pitt is the ranked team. And West Virginia is not. Is that considered, you know, is that answer valid? What's the spread in that game? I'm looking it last up right now. I, last time I checked, 
Pitt was a seven seven and a half point underdogs. It might have changed. If I could find it, that'd be lovely. So you said seven and a half. Yeah, I mean that that definitely counts. That's a bigger point spread than what I have as my upside of the week. So yeah. And like like we talked about already, just to piggyback off this game, you know, West Virginia with Harold and Daniels is the biggest unknown team in this matchup because we know that Pitt is going to run the football. They're going to run the football. If not, Whoopo is going to get blamed across the country. But on the bright side for West Virginia, their defense should be good enough to slow down the run against Pitt. I don't think they have to worry about Pitt's passing game because losing Jordan Addison was a massive loss. And obviously there will be a drop-off also losing Pickett because he was just that good. But Addison helped his offense out so much, and Pitt's wide receiver core went from being a top-five core in the country to mediocre. So, you know, I have West Virginia winning. Their offensive potential has gone up so much with a quarterback in JT Daniels, who actually has the processing ability to be a QB1 quarterback. Being able to throw, being able to go through multiple reads or just hit the check down when needed instead of chucking the ball up downfield in the hopes and prayers that one of his receivers is down there. You know, JT Daniels, he's a legit quarterback. He's going through some injuries, but I feel like if he can stay healthy, we will see the true JT Daniels, what he looked out looked like in his freshman year at USC. And I feel like we'll see this in the backyard brawl against Pitt. In a system he could flourish in as well. Exactly. So, I mean... You know, we talked about this game already, so uh, this is my upset of the week. You know, I for, what is Pitt ranked? I think they're definitely, let me see. Pitt is actually not ranked at the moment. Actually, I'm sorry, they're 17th. I don't know what I was looking at. Yeah. 17th. Yeah, Pitt, Pitt is 17. West Virginia is not ranked. Pitt is minus seven and a half, and, you know, I'm definitely taking those points because I think West Virginia will win. So you're making me feel significantly worse about my pick because my pick is only a one and a half point dog here. They're at home, yeah. but it's it's a group of five versus power five matchup. I think Appalachian State upsets North Carolina this week. I think mm. North Carolina North Carolina comes in after an admittedly good performance against Florida AM, but it was a Florida AM team that was down how many players? They had little to no depth on the offensive line. They're going to come in with kind of big heads in this situation. Meanwhile, for Appalachian State, Bryce, Bryce, uh, or Chase Bryce, I'm sorry, he's he's been in this situation before. He knows how to handle the big games. He's been at Clemson. He's been at Duke. You know, admittedly, you don't get many big shots at Duke, but he's got that North Carolina hatred in him already. This is going to be Appalachian State's Super Bowl. This is the game they're ready for. There are no strangers to upsets. We all remember 2007. All I have to tell you is the year. You already know what I'm talking about. Michigan, Michigan. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, I, I could. We feel the same way about North Carolina. They always get a hype year after year, season after season, and they do nothing with it. The only reason why I will go against you and and say that UNC will win is because of Josh Downs. I think the kid is that good. He set program records last year in both receptions and yards. And I don't think that anybody on the Appalachian State team will be able to hold him. But with that being said, I don't think anybody in the world thought that Appalachian State could hold Michigan's team back in 2007, and they did. So, I mean, 
this this is will be an interesting game since you brought it to my attention. I will watch. I kept seeing updates of scores last week when they played against Florida A and M, and Florida A and M was in the game for a little. They weren't they weren't in the game, but they weren't getting blown out, and I was confused like what's going on. So I feel like Appalachian State is a better football team than A and M, which tells me that hey, they probably could beat UNC. So I'm looking through the lines to try to find another game that I like. Like I said, your your pick is good. A ranked team losing to an unranked team, that's more than a touchdown favorite. Mm-hmm. But in scrolling through this, I found a line that I find very interesting, and that's BYU traveling across the country, yes. But they're only a 12.5-point favorite against South Florida. Mm. I feel South like that's Florida. a situation of why is that so low? Somebody must know something that we don't. You have BYU coming in as a ranked 25th in the nation. Against a and team that could easily only win one or two games this year. Somebody, yeah. Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah, it I doesn't mean, make I, much sense. I will have BYU killing USF, but... um. Yeah, I, I would think it'd be more on the 2024 range, honestly. Right, like, just looking at the last five games... For BYU, they lost to UAB in the bowl game by three points, which was surprising. And USF last five games, they were winless. So this will be a game interesting to look out for, actually, because I feel like without thinking twice, I'm thinking BYU will kill USF. But it seems yeah, like I would definitely lean that way as well. I wow. will throw throw one bonus pick out there, though, also. Uh, not necessarily calling this an upset, but watch for this one. Rutgers, plus seven against Boston College. I think that's one to watch out for. Rutgers. So I've seen that game, and I thought about it. I just, I can't. Uh, Rutgers is. I Rutgers. don't trust them yet. Yeah. Yeah, even though with the, you know, transfers they got in and multiple new coaching assistants. And, I mean, I'm not the biggest Boston College fan either, but I just can't trust Rutgers right now. I, did they even name their starting quarterback yet? I don't think so. See, like, it's, you should know who your starting quarterback is. <laughs> You're playing a couple of days. Maybe they do know the quarterback, and they're pulling the organ on us. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I can't, I, I can't put no money down when it comes to Rutgers. Yeah, I would agree on that. So that's a good way to to wrap up. Is there uh, is there anything else you'd like to add here before we go? It's nice to actually talk about some actual games now. Talking season is officially over. <laughs> right. So last thing before we get out of here, I'm going to run down each of the games for teams that's ranked in the top 25, and we can get quick answers who we think will win straight up with no spread. Okay. So starting off Thursday night, first game, Oklahoma State, Central Michigan. Who you got? Oklahoma State. Me too. Pitt, West Virginia, we already talked about this. Are you sticking with Pitt? Yep. I got West Virginia. VMI, Wake Forest. Wake. Yep, I got Wake as well. Western Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan State. Yep, Michigan State. Colorado State versus Michigan. Michigan. Michigan as well. Oregon versus Georgia. Georgia. Georgia, yeah, Georgia. Oklahoma versus UTEP. Oklahoma. Yeah, I definitely got Oklahoma in that game. Bethune versus Miami. 
Miami, easily. Easily. USC versus Rice. USC. Yep, right with you. Now these games getting a little tougher. Utah versus Florida. You say Utah, right? Utah, yep. I said Florida. And... Mm. Mm. I hear the hesitation. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm going to go Utah. There we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to flip to Utah. So I got, I got I'm, I'm, I'm correcting myself right now. I have Utah beating Florida. There we go. Utah State, Alabama. Easy game. Bama. Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Ohio State. Yep. Sam Houston versus Texas A&M. A&M. Yep. NC State versus East Carolina. Watch out for the Pirates. I got North Carolina State, but that's going to be close. <laughs> hey, I was going to say, that was a game that I was thinking about choosing as my upset, but, you know, Devin Leary for Heisman. Couldn't say it. So I got NC State. Yep. Cincinnati versus Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm, I got Arkansas as well. Houston versus UTSA. Upset. UTSA gets them. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm gonna go Houston. I'm gonna go Houston. Troy versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss easily. Easily. BYU versus South Florida. Yeah, we just mentioned that one. That's curiously low. It's making me have not second thoughts, but certainly reconsider, but definitely BYU. Yeah, I got BYU as well. Albany versus Baylor. 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 Wisconsin versus Illinois State. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yep. Kentucky versus Miami, Ohio. Kentucky. Kentucky. In the last game, Monday night, Georgia Tech versus Clemson. Clemson, statement win. Correct. I have Clemson. And I also have Clemson getting their true freshman quarterback, K. Klubnik, some, some time in the second half because the game is going to be that much out of hand. Yeah, that would not surprise me at all to see him in there. So that's our decisions for the week. Straight up, no spread. Who we think will who will win? Comment below who you guys think will win for each of those games for week one of college football. Anything else you got for this week? Uh, one thing quick, non-college football related. Special shout out slash thank you to the Buffalo Sabres. Finally bringing the goat head back. It's about time we see that back on the ice here in Buffalo. It's about time and they brought it back. Congrats. Oh, yeah. All right. So you guys can follow me on Twitter at Sonny Martinez FS. Eric, where can we find you? You can also find me on Twitter at eChurch underscore or on YouTube at Scoops World. I talk about college football and occasionally my Dallas Cowboys. Definitely check that YouTube out. Great site to follow. Tune in next week. Let's see what else I could talk Eric into. Thank you guys <laughs> very much for listening and we'll see you next week. Talk to you guys later.